When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, Fantasy Football family? Welcome to another episode of Off the Line Fantasy Football Podcast. I am one of the hosts, Eugene. And, you know, if this is your first time listening to us, we appreciate you. And if you're returning, then again, we appreciate you for also giving us your ears. You can find me on Twitter at Fantasy Jeans. That's G-E-N-E-S. You know, you can follow us on Twitter at Off The Line FF. And to the other hosts of the show, Ike, how you doing? How you feeling? I know this weather in Texas has been crazy and we can already hear you sniffling and sneezing <laughs> how you feel yeah yeah these, these, al- these allergies got me in the uh crippler cross face um so. <laughs> it's it's uh it's it's been a you know quite quite an adventure over the last couple of days um but i can be found on twitter at just underscore echo nine yeah um so yeah it's i i, I it could be better it could be better um but you know i'm here i'm pushing through I did take Benadryl earlier, so you know once the show is over, once we once we get this thing popping, uh, this sleep that I'm about to get is going to be epic. <laughs> yeah, I already I already know you swear about oh, the Benadryl yeah. sleep. Yeah, so yeah, we have we have the strongest pollen I think in the United States because this pollen <laughs> wipes away people um, in in so many different ways. But yeah, um, I, I'm good. I'm I'm still standing here, and that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know on this episode we're going to be talking about uh nfl draft odds you know just going through who we feel is going to be play uh you know how we feel about in terms of where we think players are going to be play uh get drafted at and where we think are the best bets for those particular positions uh you know conferences and what, first quarterback what have you we're just gonna we're gonna dive into everything but before we get to that we got to introduce our, our our first guest of the show. You know the, the in show the, history and show history. Yeah, show history guest. exactly. The, the self proclaimed uh, who what they call him on the on the wake up show uh, Skip Bayless, <laughs> <laughs> Skip <laughs> Richards, Skip yeah. Richards. <laughs> <laughs> the other half of the wake up show uh, with Ray GQ is our boy Jay Rich, part of the Destination Devi. How you doing? Appreciate you coming on talking to talking about NFL draft with us. How you doing? I'm excited, bro. I'm happy to be here. I'm I'm excited to do the show with you guys. You know, I'm right in the middle, you know, where I should be because I'm I'm the, <laughs> I'm the star on this show somehow. <laughs> you know, I don't view myself that way by any means. But every now and then I go on a podcast and I'm like, you know what? This is my chance. You know, I do a show with Ray G. Do you know what that's like? Every day, every day, interrupting me, cutting me off <laughs> here. I get respect and I get to be appreciated for my time. But I'm more so happy to be here, support you guys, and uh, you know, talk some NFL draft props, man. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you. I know you're a gambling man. I, I know me. And I we we uh we, we dabble in the arts of betting over the course of the time that we've been playing fantasy with each other. So uh, yeah. I'm also excited to you know dive into it with with somebody else. 
so you know, let's go ahead and get to get to it. Uh, we're gonna be basing these. I know for me and Ike, we're gonna be basing our props off of DraftKings. I know J- uh, Jordan, you got you got a little more access being in Canada. I know they opened up the floodgates for you, so I'm sure you might have some different odds and different sports books that you use. So uh, first off, we're gonna go with the pick number of of any of these uh, these draftees. Uh, so in terms of pick number, they're guessing like if, let's say we're we're trying to figure out who has the best odds, who we think is the player that we are suggesting that's going to be the first overall pick, second overall pick, fourth overall pick, or whatever case might have you. So for number one, uh, the one the bet that I liked the most was Inkem uh, uh the the offensive lineman from for NC State. His odds were plus twelve hundred for him to be the number one overall pick. For me, I like this pick because. Um, you know, Jacksonville, even though they did um, enfranchise Cam Robinson for whatever reason, I still think they're <laughs> still open. <laughs> they're still open to, you know, go find their 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 bookend left tackle. And I think he had he poses the most potential. I think he has the the mean like when you look at him, you see him play, he has a mean streak that that is just like you just it just pops off a of film. And I just feel like this is a great bet in terms of like, okay, if you think Jacksonville is gonna go outside the book and not not take a DN that I think this is the type of offensive tackle that you can, you know, build your future with and, and protecting Trevor Lawrence. So um, what are y'all's thoughts about that? Or y'all, do y'all have anybody that y'all think might be number one if it's not him? I mean, for me, I'll just kind of hop in here, Ike. And I don't yeah. know how I feel about that, but with, with Icky, the big thing is that I think he's the sleeper candidate here. So Gina, I actually really do like this bet. Plus 1,200 is decent odds. You know, Aiden Hutchinson, obviously the odds on favorite, not where I would go with my money personally. Uh, You talked about who else could potentially be number one. I do like Trayvon Walker. Obviously, he's been rising drastically. I didn't even expect him to necessarily even be, you know, top three, top five pick. But the way he's ascending right now, it's looking like he could overtake Hutchinson. You know, we've seen the Thibodeau versus Hutchinson. Then Hutchinson at midseason, he obviously overtook Thibodeau. And now we're seeing Walker potentially go over him. But the issue is, is that the star player on this team, no matter how you slice it, is Trevor Lawrence. And they yeah. have to do something to protect him. That offensive line is just not good enough. At one point, we thought it'd be Evan Neal, but it seems like he's kind of soured in a lot of people's minds. He's talking about how he can play right tackle inside. He's not too concerned. But I think, to your point, Icky is the best offensive lineman in this draft class. And I think he's got the highest ceiling. And that's why I think this is a really good bet. You know, it's a long shot, 12 to 1. But I think it's a good bet. Ike, where are you at with Icky number one? Or would you go another direction? Um, No, I actually like this bet as well. Um, And mainly for the reasons you guys outlined, they have to protect Trevor Lawrence. You know, they surrounded him with weapons this offseason. And they, you know, there's a a couple of cornerstone positions that you need in the NFL. You You need a left tackle. You need a corner. You need an edge rusher. You need a star quarterback. Those are basically the main four, um, you know, cornerstone positions and you can't go wrong with drafting an offensive tackle at number one especially if somebody is talented um Zikwoman. so no I, I completely agree with you guys um i don't i didn't really see any others that could, that stood out to me but this one had the best odds and made the most sense um yeah. you know from a from a betting standpoint and maybe from a potential potentially real life um, um perspective so yeah no i, I like it yeah um the next one that I I had uh, marked down was the number three pick. I actually liked the the Kayvon Thibodeau plus four hundred. At first, I had Evan Neal, and then once I started looking at you know the Texans also having the thirteenth pick and how their team is currently set up, I, I felt like they could go and 
try to go get their pass rusher, their, you know, their potential franchise pass rusher, and then come and then double back at 13 and go get an O-lineman since their O-line wasn't too bad. It wasn't, I don't think it's as dire need as them needing a pass rusher since with, uh, Whitney Merciless retired out of the blue. So I think Kayvon Thibodeau at, at plus 400 is a, a pretty good bet. I know we also see uh, Tav- uh, Tavon Walker at plus 400 here. Uh, you see Ahmad Gardner at 500. Uh, you see Icky at plus one, 185. Uh, my original bet was Evan Neal at plus 330 because I thought my my suggestion was that I thought O-line would be the first pick. But now, like I said, after like kind of reviewing how the board might shake out, I felt like them going and get their getting their pass rusher for the future now and then waiting later to get an O-lineman. Uh, how do y'all feel about this particular uh, pick? Or if you think there might be another – Another pick that might in- interest you a little bit more. Yeah, I'll I'll, right. I'll, 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 jump in, I'll jump in really quick. Yeah, no, I I think you and I we both aligned on this pick as well um, for the show sheet. You know, plus four hundred for Kayvon Thibodeau. I think this is a, a a lock honestly because you know the Texans they've had success in the past drafting pass rushers pretty high. You know, they you know drafted Janavian Clowney number one overall. They drafted Whitney Merciless relatively high, and they've had pretty successful careers. You know, say what you want about either of those guys, um, whether or not you want to define them as, you know, underachieving or what have you, but they were pretty productive players in the league. So, um, and the, the number one thing that Houston needs on a talent deficient roster is you know, explosive playmakers on defense. Um, and they, they can definitely, you know, stand the benefit by drafting uh, Thibodeau at number three overall. So this is, I think this is a slam dunk pick. And, and to your point, um, they have another pick later in the first round where they can address O-line, address any other need. Uh, maybe they, you know, they double back and maybe draft another pass rusher at 13. You never know. They, or maybe Kyle Hamilton at 13, the safety. Um, they need they need playmakers on defense in the worst way. Um, so, yeah, that this this number three overall pick belongs to Thibodeau, to me at least. Okay. Yeah, so I, I sort of agree with you, but in a lot of ways, I think that as much as I as much as I agree with the fact that they need a pass rusher, and especially for a team that has such talent at the pass rusher position for such a long time, I just don't think it does make sense. And the reason why mainly is because as much as they do need it on defense, I think that they'd be better served to go with an offensive lineman here. And I know you're saying that you could go back at 13. I think that whether they choose to build around Davis Mills or the future at quarterback, they're going to prefer to have that left tackle or you know that staple on the offensive line over the long term than a pass rusher, because I don't think this defense is going to be rebuilt with just one pass rusher. It would help, but yeah. I think the drop-off at at left tackle is much more severe going down the draft. And so I think, you know, you could pick up a guard, a center in the mid first, but I think if they want someone who can really make an impact on offense and protect Davis Mills to be the future or protect someone who is the future at quarterback there, I just think for me, I wouldn't bet Thibodeau at three because I think him and Walker are a toss up at this spot. And I still think mm. there's potential for a, a tackle to go there. So that's why I'm not so confident in that. And and the biggest thing, like I was telling Gene before the show, my biggest issue with Thibodeau right now is that on the books for most people, he's at, you know, five and a half. He's at six. He's not the guy who's listed at three and a half or at three. And that's Walker. And so that's one of the reasons why I think I may go another direction, especially if those odds are close. But I'm with you that both those spots make sense from a financial standpoint, from what they need and obviously what they can build from in the future. Yeah. And just to, you know, just kind of piggyback off of that. Now, the the reason why I originally had O-line at first is because, I mean, they do have Laramie Tunsil that plays left tackle. I know there was rumors that he might get traded, but I mean, it looked like he he restructured uh, pretty early 
uh, yeah, when free sure agency opened up. So they could, again, they could go Evan Neal. And Evan Neal's already said that he can play both tackles, both guards. So, I mean, there could be a year or two where Evan, uh, Evan Neal plays right tackle instead of left tackle. And if they decide to move on, then you can just shift him over. You've already, I mean, you spent the draft capital on him. So, I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a potential that they could go that direction too. So to your point, uh, Jay Rich. So, and, and the uh, biggest reason why I said just Thibodeau at three is a lock is because I think Walker's going to go before Thibodeau. I think Walker's going to go at two to Detroit. So that's, that's part of, really? that's part of my rationale um, as to yeah. why I think Thibodeau is going to be there. But, um, but yeah. Because then if you wanted to hit all three of those, that would be like a series. Cause I don't think that Walker is slated to go too. So I'd be interested to see kind of what the odds were. If you were like, let's say you were to hit all three of those together or even parlay those three together, what those odds could be. Because I don't think that's a very favorable shakeup from the, from the draft perspective and kind of what they're projecting going forward. So if you do believe that, honestly, I think if you were to kind of mix those together and want, and not necessarily in a parlay, but if you wanted to, those two picks back to back, I think would be a really spicy take um, for what ultimately could unfold in the draft. Yeah, and I'm looking here. You know, Walker is plus two fifty. He's tied with Hutchinson at plus two fifty for the number two pick, mm-hmm. and they're the odds-on yeah. favorites there. And then number three is Aquonu, um, Evan Neal, and then Thibodeau at four hundred. Um, but obviously, number one, we know that's going to be, for all intents and purposes, it's going to be uh, Hutchinson. But you know, yeah. we've seen crazy shit happen on draft night. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, does anybody else have any other uh, pick numbers that they, they, they feel like a player might go at between uh, one and five? One and five? No. Um, I know we're going to talk about Sauce later, so we can we can get into that when we get into that. But I think, you know, the potential for him to go top five is definitely there based on what we're seeing and how much he's rising overall. Yeah. 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 I mean, without further ado, I mean, let's just go ahead and get into Sauce. I mean, that's my next guy. Number four pick, Sauce to the Jets, plus 330. Um you know, the Jets, they, they gave up too many explosive plays in 2021. I think they were 30th with like 70-plus explosive plays I mean, their secondary, and they were dead last in explosive play pass rate um, allowed. Um, you know, the, according to some odds, he's plus 135 to be in the top five. So Vegas is pretty much telling us that, hey, look, he's he, – you know, I think, I think within the next couple of weeks, that may – you know, those odds may even be, may be even greater. It may be closer to like, you know, negative, you know, minus 105. But um, plus one thirty five, and that's that Vegas basically telling you that he's pretty much going to be in the top five. Um, you know, I know Mel Kiper; he mocked him at number two overall. Um, don't know how much stock you want to take into that, um, <laughs> given how, given his track his recent track record. But um, but yeah, for the top five, you know, number four picks, Sauce Gardner to the Jets. I mean, you know, Robert Sala's defenses have been anchored by you know a, you know a, a pretty you know shut down uh, you know a shut down corner. Um, in, in you know in elite linebacker play, so I think this is a good a good spot for Sauce Gardner um, to to land. Okay. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And like you said, I think to kind of piggyback off of that, not only did they not get a wide receiver, they also are now absorbing Tyreek Hill twice a year. So not only are they giving up all these plays, but now they have to deal with the most explosive playmaker in the NFL in their division two times a year. And I think as much as I believe Sauce Gardner can limit Tyreek Hill. They got to do something, and I think yeah. that everyone's projecting Sauce to be the guy for them at four. He said he's the best yeah. corner in the draft, so uh, he is. I don't. I, I'm with him on that. Yeah. By far, the best corner in the draft. Yep. Yeah. All right. So let's going. Let's jump into draft position. So draft precision is just you know taking the over under uh, 
of where we think they're going to be played. So, for instance, our first player was Trayvon Walker. Trayvon Walker, the the odds are over under three and a half. So, is he going to be drafted below below uh, three, or is he going to be drafted above three? Basically, so for me, I picked him plus one eighty five. So on the over, I think he's going to be picked after the third spot. Um, I know it's somebody that's been that's been rising like to the freaking moon for the last what three months, pretty much after the, the season was over with because of his testing numbers mixed with how how dominant Georgia's defense was. But the way I feel like the, the draft is going to fall, I just feel like that he would be the perfect he'd be the perfect player for for the Jets if they if they wanted to go pass rush at four because he's he's more versatile than. Then Thibodeau, he's more versatile than Agent Hutchinson if he somehow falls. I think he's more versatile than than Johnson from Florida State. So for me, I just feel like this would be the spot at four that that Trayvon gets picked if if they don't get sniped before that. What do y'all think? What do y'all have? Yeah, like I think uh, more importantly, like you're saying, is you're getting some good juice on it too. And so if you believe that Malik might go two, or you believe that a offensive lineman may go at three and and this is kind of what you're telling yourself and how you're trying to bet this i actually really like it i think it's a possibility but again i, I still think i'm with ike and i think ike you're gonna agree with me that you you think walker's probably going two or three at worst and i still think there's an outside shot he could even go one and so yeah. it, it's tough but with those plus odds i think you are getting some juice that's probably worth the bet and depending on how you structure the rest of your draft card it could be a good bet overall and still be profitable potentially yeah, yeah, you can you can sprinkle a unit on that. That that wouldn't be a that wouldn't be a terrible bet um, to me. No, so, it wouldn't. No, I, and then I'm, and, I'm, plus, and plus and plus when whenever I'm dealing with these bets, like Ray's always said on Wake Up, that you want your you want your best to tell a story, and this is just part of the story that I'm telling with with my bets. With you know thinking that Tavion uh, Thibodeau is going to go three, I don't think one or two that is going to be spent on Walker. So I mean, just falls in line. I think he's going to be at four. So. This is just go just a part of it. So uh, the next one, I go ahead. Who you got? Uh, I got Kayvon Thibodeau under five point five. Um, so he's going to get drafted. You know, basically in the top five. You know, five, four, three, two, one, whatever. Um, yesterday it was plus one hundred five. Now today it's minus one hundred five. So that line movement is telling you a couple things here and there. It's, it's it's basically telling you that he's getting a lot of buzz and he's more. He's becoming more and more of a lock to be in that top. Top four range, right? I mean, I don't think he gets past the Jets at four if he falls. Um, but you know, as we we kind of touched on, you know, the major points um, earlier, I think he goes three to the Texans. Um, I'm definitely going to bet that. Um, but yeah, I you know, Thibodeau under you know five and a half, uh, five or five point five. I you know, if it gets any worse to you know minus one hundred five, I'm, I'm staying away from it. But um, you know, I probably should have locked it in at, pl- at plus money um, earlier in the week. Yeah, for sure. And and you're in lockstep with your boy, Mel. You're uh, not buying the <laughs> Kayvon Thibodeau dip. And, uh, yeah. He's the most productive, most talented prospect in the whole draft class. So it's nice to see you agreeing with Mel a little bit after you just talked a whole bunch of shit about him a few days ago. <laughs> exactly. So maybe you should just cool it a little bit before you make fun of Mel because you're starting to look a little more similar than you think. Like, where are you at with that? And how do you feel about Thibodeau at minus or at uh, under five and a half? I, I do like it a lot. I think it's a good pick. Yeah, yeah, I think. Go, no, ahead. Sorry, go, go ahead. Go ahead, Gene. No, I was going to say, yeah, I do like that pick. Again, it goes a part of my story that I think he's is. It's weird because of uh, how people are trying to paint this narrative that he's not really serious about football, this and that. But just turn on the tape. You can see that he's very serious about playing. He was unstoppable. 
when he when he was out there even not even fully healthy. So I, I think he's just one of those players that you just can't like you just can't miss on you know the size and the and the speed combination. So oh yeah, of course, of course the the doesn't doesn't have his heart into the football. Yeah. <laughs> are you, are is, you guys is. like are you guys with that with the whole I view him in that same type of clowny narrative, right? Where it's like, oh, you know, he's not really trying and people are trying to knock him. And should he really go number one? Like, I think it's the same. You know, we've talked about this a lot um, on Wake Up and even other shows about prospect fatigue. And, you know, he was just number one for so long. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. it's what we're going to take Aiden Hutchinson over him. We're going to take yeah. Trayvon Walker over him. I'm like, yeah, OK, you know, maybe we're just doing too much here. And we just need to take the guy who has been number one, will be number one and dominant for three years at Oregon. Yeah, I think it, I think it's definitely prospect fatigue. You know, you talk about these players for so long. People are just going to just try to reach for whatever they can reach for. Um, you know, just from a narrative standpoint, we see it every single offseason, uh, every single draft season. You know, there's one guy that's just, you know, the, at the top every single, you know, after, you know, after every mock, after the season. And then, you know, his, you know, he, he, uh, he, he took a shit or something. Um, and it, it smelled <laughs> so bad that some of the scouts said, you know what? I don't know if this guy is going to be, going to be what he thinks he is. Is his shit kind of stinks. <laughs> or some, or just something something ridiculously random that they just they they latch onto and they try to make a narrative out of it. It's just it's it's annoying. It's an annoying process. Um, but hopefully, you know, in two weeks' time, uh, we can we can get rid of silly season and get you know get these you know people drafted, uh, so we can do some meaning more meaningful analysis. Exactly. All right, Jay Rich, who you got uh, in terms of draft position? So I actually want to talk uh, talk about two guys here and, and get both your opinions on this. And it's the top two wide receivers, right? It's Garrett Wilson and it's Drake London and kind of where you're at with both of them. They're both at 10 and a half, basically even lines. No one knows what to do with them. Maybe the Jets take one at four. Maybe the other one is at 10. Or, you know, we're not really sure how it's going to shake out. We know the Jets want a wide receiver. We know they need sauce. They maybe go after Thibodeau. We don't really know exactly what they're looking at. But Todd McShay, who nails the Jets picks a lot, has had Drake at 10 multiple times you see a lot of sources going at 10 but if he goes at 10 where does wilson fall and is wilson still the number one wide receiver off the board so ike let's start with you where are you at with drake london and with garrett wilson both at 10 and a half do you like the over do you like the under and kind of where do you see them falling overall uh, i like the under 10 and a half for garrett wilson um you know i think we talked before the show i think we he's pretty much a lock to go to atlanta at eight um, Atlanta's wide receiver depth chart is probably the worst in the league with the retirement of Calvin Ridley. <laughs> they lost Russell Gage. Um, they have something called an Olamide de Zacchaeus as their number one guy right now. Um, and Kyle Pitts is t- at tight end. He's not really a receiver, although you can make a case that he is a receiver. But with that said, their receiver depth is terrible. They need an upgrade in the worst way. And I think Garrett Wilson makes sense for them at, at number eight. Um, as for Drake London, it comes down to health for me. Um, he did have a season-ending injury. Okay. I don't know if he's. I, I, I'm not sure if he's you know 100 back from that in, from that injury, his, his that angle that uh, the angle injury. Um, but I think he may fall a little bit closer to the teams. I think a team like New Orleans may get him um, in the middle of the draft. But I don't see him going top ten. Whoa! Dang. Hold on. Hold no, no. You you ain't get no. Okay. You're saying he's gonna go to New Orleans? I said no. I said he may fall. He said I said he may no. fall. But what makes you think that though? He, he's he's locked in as wide receiver two on like everyone's board. He rarely slips past the commanders at eleven. 
you know, it what makes you know, they gotta go all the way to 19 or 16, 16. I think now. Yeah. the first, technically 16. What makes 16, you think you can go all the way to 16 now? I mean, you know, there's gonna be we'll we'll talk about this guy later, but there's you know, Javison Williams as well. Javison Williams has also been mocked to number 10 at the you know, uh for the Jets as well. So that's another guy that could that could sneak in and, and maybe Chris Olave. I've seen Chris Olave go pretty high. Um, there's there's opportunities. I mean, there, there's there's going to be a, a quite a log jam at wide receiver. You're going to see a, a wide receiver run between picks. I think picks ten and pick like eighteen. You're going to see a lot of wide receivers go in that range. Um, so I, it's nothing against Drake London. It's just you know at the end of the day, it comes down to health, right? So um, so I, to to further emphasize that point a little bit for you, um, he is having a pro day actually on the fifteenth. So in a couple of days, oh, they got cool. him pushed back. So, so he will have a chance, you know, work out for scouts, see how he looks. But the ankle should be fine. You know, he just broke his ankle. People who don't know, it's it's just time. And then once it recovers, it's fine. No issues. It's confidence for the receiver. So it won't be any lingering problems. But the okay. issue why – the reason why I got pushed back was he had a hamstring injury, apparently, as he was ramping up. Um, mm-hmm. So they got his pro day pushed back. But it's supposed to be in a couple of days. So we may get to see Drake London sooner than you think. And then, obviously, see where his draft stock goes from there. But that'll change some things, definitely. Um, based on how it's performing. <laughs> you know, as of right now, as of right now, you know, April thirteenth, twenty twenty two, he may fall out of the top ten and top twelve. So um, just something to keep an eye on. But we'll see how he does in this pro day. I'm sure he'll be fine in this pro day. Okay. So for me, um, just ex- exactly in terms of Atlanta with with Garrett Wilson, I think Garrett Wilson is locked in the top ten. I think that those odds are. Pretty, I, I mean, I would take those at minus 115 to be drafted uh, under 10 and a half. I just when I look at Garrett Wilson, I just I, I feel like Atlanta looks at him and sees Calvin Ridley because of like yeah. how, smooth, how smooth he runs his routes. Mm-hmm. How he attacks, yeah, how he attacks version, the ball. Yeah, exactly. yeah, how he yeah. attacks the ball in the air. I just think he would be perfect for it, it literally just be like like a switch. Like, all right, Calvin, Calvin's out. All right, let's let's get Garrett in. So I, I feel like that's that's a perfect match for them. Now for for Drake London, I almost feel like this is one of those things where where the fantasy community likes him better than the actual drafters in terms of position. I, I know the NFL likes him because he has the size; he can win the ball at any point. Let it be when he's actually at the high point, at catching at a high point in 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 the middle of his route or whatever the case may be. But I feel like. There's a slight chance he can drop under 10 and a half. And, and it's for the same reason that Ike says, because there's somebody called Jamison Williams. And, you know, every year we have one of these wide receivers that's really fast and and somebody reaches for him. Um, I'm not sure if Jamison Williams is a reach because, I mean, we saw what he put on tape. He can do more than just burn past somebody. So I feel like he's the one person that can that can interfere and, and drop Drake under under that uh over that 10 and a half number at uh minus 125 so you have the juice on the o- on the over on that but yeah i i would think if anything if he doesn't get drafted at at 10 to the jets then i can't i can't imagine why the commanders at 11 don't draft him because their need is is higher at, in terms of getting another weapon for for wins than it is beginning like a safety or or O lineman or whatever that we've been seeing at these mocks. Yeah, we you uh, you touched on Jamison Williams, and that just kind of went. I want to lead into that question. Uh, do you guys think Jamison Williams is overrated? 
Overrated? And what, overrated. what do you mean by overrated? And kind of how, how would you define that? So I can kind of give you a take on that. I would say, I would say overhyped um, from the standpoint of, you know, he went to Alabama. He's, you know, has, you know, has this great speed. You know, you know how all, automatically, you know, you, 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 every year you have a guy that has the Alabama helmet sticker and he gets vaulted up at least two rounds more. He gets drafted two rounds higher than he should be. Two rounds. That's a lot. Two a round, a round or two is fine. I'll accept a round that. Or two. Two rounds. A round or two, a higher. Jameson no, Williams, saying, not, third round not pick. Saying, not not saying Jameson Williams first. falls into that category, but you you've yeah. seen you know players you know go to Alabama and they get drafted a lot higher than they should be. Um, I think Jameson Williams is a first rounder, but is he is he a top ten guy? Is he a top eight guy? Um, I don't think so. I think he's probably towards the latter half of the first round, at least for me. But I want to get you guys' take on that. Um, what do you think about Jameis Williams? So I'll start by saying that I think in some ways you're right. Um, I think that in a lot of ways, what we've seen from Jameo is fair. And and it's the first thing you want to point out is, well, he couldn't even beat out Garrett Wilson at Ohio State. So why would he be drafted higher? Why are people talking about him as potentially the wide receiver one? But he was that. Like He legitimately was the wide receiver one in the class and kind of by a mile until he got hurt. But my question to you is you're talking about him being overrated and, and I get it. I, I think it's a fair criticism. He only has one year of production. In my opinion, he should have won the Blitnikoff award. He was absolutely fantastic. But if you're talking about him as a mid first round pick while nursing an ACL injury, how, how what does that guy look like if he's healthy, if he's at the combine, if he's showing out, that's a top 10 pick to me, like locked and loaded. And I think he deserved to be in the conversation for wide receiver one overall and so for us as people who are kind of betting and you know he's he's probably going to be in the top 20 and i think he's still rising a little bit but i don't think he's overrated but where i think people get confused is i've seen a comp for him that i really really love and it's will fuller and i wanted to just throw that at you guys and see what you think because will fuller gets a bad rep not because of how he plays but because of his injuries but if jameson williams was a healthy will fuller would that would you be happy with that would you be you know upset pissed off how does that make you feel hearing he could be a healthy Will Fuller in the NFL, super fast, lightning quick, impossible to guard, can blow the top off a of defense? We see him do it to Georgia, Clemson, like top programs. So we know the speed is legit, first gear, second gear, third gear. But where are you at with him as far as that's concerned? Because to me, I think the speed is just so top level that he's a guy who you have to game plan for. I don't think we can say that about any other wide receiver in this draft class. And that's what makes him different. And in my opinion, not overrated. Yeah. So let me go ahead and go. Right, so for yeah. me, I think to Ike's point, I think when you see a speedy wide receiver from Alabama, you just think about uh, Henry Ruggs is the latest example of that, where he was somebody that I think Oakland at the time, Oakland, now Las Vegas, mis I think they kind of misused him. They just ran him. He was just running up top and that's it. Just blow the top off and you just let everybody else work. We saw for Jameson, I think we saw him do that. And we saw him like, you know, run the eat immediate routes and, and win that matchup and then just burn everybody. And he's and he's a little bit bigger than, than Henry Ruggs. I just think for me, for him to come in from getting from transferring, coming into a to a situation and immediately taking the number one spot and just running away with it. That for me, I think that's part of the reason why I trust I, I I trust my eyes and I trust some of the professionals in terms of seeing him mid first round and he tore his ACL what four months ago. So to your point, like 
if he doesn't have a torn ACL, is he the is he the number one wide receiver that's getting taken off the board? And I think it's yes, because how many times have we seen the quote unquote just he's just a fast guy get taken over all, all the other uh, wide receivers? And I think that we have to take that into account when we, when we look at him, because the GMs are telling us that, hey, this is what we prefer is somebody that can blow the top off. But not only that he can do that, he can also win the intermediate routes. He can win the short routes and still burn you. Yeah, no, you guys make great points. The the biggest thing for me uh, that just kind of gives me a little trepidation about Jamison Williams is I think you mentioned it, Jordan, the one year of college production. Like that that mm-hmm. is a that is an indicator. Um, you know, that is an indicator for you know a successful NFL career. If you're not you you broke out your junior year, your first two years. I mean, in your first two years, you combined for 15 total catches. Um, and then finally, Alabama, you, bur- you, you burst onto the scene. Um, and you he should have won the bullet in the coffin. He was basically the best wide receiver on, you know, on your TV screens, your, your college football TV screens um, every Saturday. So yep. that's the biggest thing for me. Um, you know, you, you kind of see these, you, you, these, uh, these, these one-year producers kind of flame out in the league. Uh, you know, they, they don't necessarily have all the success in the world in the league. So that's just kind of a word of caution um, that I have in the back of my mind. But um, he's he, he's a he's a super talented guy. Um, I, he should be ready. But, you know, th- when the season starts, maybe a couple of games here and there that he can miss um, to, to truly get ramped up. Uh, maybe October, we should see James Williams, maybe sooner. Who knows? But um, but yeah, that the, the biggest thing for me is the is the lack of college production going into this uh, his his last his junior year. For sure. And if you let me jump in here real quick, Gene, just yeah. talk about your point about Henry Ruggs. Um, he's so he's a little bit lighter than Henry Ruggs and a little bit taller than Henry Ruggs. So how kind of how you feel about that? Um, I get it. But Ike, to your point, Henry Ruggs never broke out at Alabama at all. Right. So you talk about yeah. limited production. Henry Ruggs never broke out. And he was on pace for a thousand yard season this year. Now, I'm not trying to say that what he did and he should be back in the league. Everything he did was terrible, but he had 407, 470 yards in seven games this year. He was averaging almost 20 yards per reception. If he played the whole season with Derek Carr, you're talking about a legitimate thousand yard receiver with probably six to seven touchdowns. And that is worth a first round pick. And I get he's just speed. And then on top of that, you know, you talk about the ACL injury. What is what is Jamison Williams ring on that track? That track was not the NFL draft track that I'm used to. That's not the regular turf. They're talking about it's half a second fast, half a tenth of a second faster. I'm like, yo, J-Mo is running mid yeah. four twos on that track and so yeah all those things I'm, I'm just thinking about what i've seen from him and and like you bring up henry ruggs i was talking about will fuller these are guys that like they have a thousand yards in their back pocket if they're healthy and they're tied yep. to a good quarterback mm-hmm. i think if you're taking jameson williams you're going to be afforded the ability to get a slight discount on a receiver who could be extremely dynamic for your offense and so you think about him going in the middle of the rounds like your boy kuiper mocked him to the saints that would be a great fit. You know, you see him mocked to the Chiefs. You see him mocked, you know, to Green Bay, to the Steelers, to teams that are good, but also need wide receivers. And so from mm. that standpoint, I think Jamison Williams is in a great spot because he will get drafted to a good team that probably has a decent quarterback instead of going to, you know, highly drafted to Atlanta like Garrett Wilson, who has no quarterback, right? So mm. overrated maybe, <laughs> but I think there's a chance that he could be a better value than people expect simply because of the injury. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I'll take the injury discount all day long, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the next, the next, uh, the next slide is top ten. So 
Now, this list of players that we think are going to be in the top 10, I mean, you got, there's not really any good odds in here. You have like Ahmad Gardner uh, at minus 500. You got Charles Cross at minus 450. Malik at minus 380. You got Jermaine Johnson at minus 170. Like the juice is it's so juiced up. Like you don't see it. There's no value here. The only player that, that I, I mean, that I found that was, was good value was Kenny Pickett at plus 115. I feel like. I mean, we're at all at consensus that that the 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 Panthers are going to take him at at number six. They need a quarterback. They don't have a draft pick at two or three. So I'm sure they don't want to they don't want to leave this draft day one or day two with Sam Darnold as their starting quarterback. So oh god. <laughs> so you know, go get go get uh, small hands, pick it, and you know, call it a day. Yeah, no, for sure. You nailed it. I think you you nailed a lot of the big points. It's the relationship from being recruited to Temple by Matt Rule, the relationship with De- David Tepper being a pit grad. Like, there's a lot of reasons why he's de- going to end up in Carolina. Um, I think it just comes down to is does Malik go before him? Because if he doesn't go before him, do do the Can- mm. Panthers have the balls to take Pickett first? They're not really a franchise that needs a quarterback who's ready to play. And Pickett is probably a guy who's better for a team ready to play instead of going to a team where they're, you know, in flux, rebuilding. Like the Panthers aren't going anywhere until Tom Brady retires or leaves. So they can have the affordability to take a developmental quarterback if they want to. And they may go that Malik route. But I think you're right that top 10, I think the only issue is, is the only spot Carolina? Because I think so. I don't see a mock to Seattle and I don't really think any other spot really fits. So if no one's trading up, I think Carolina is the only one. And maybe that's why the odds are only plus 115, because we don't see anyone else going to get Pickett. They would go to get Malik, but they won't go to get Pickett. Ike, where are you at with that? And kind of how do you feel? Yeah, uh, we talked about it earlier. I think Pickett's a lock number six. Uh, this makes no sense for Carolina now. Um, I don't think yet. Yeah, like, to your point, I don't think Seattle's going to pick pick him. I, I would I would. I would maybe say that Washington could potentially trade up into the top 10 yeah. to try to get them. It's one they, really? like, they're they're at well, they're at 11, right? They're at 11. Yeah. They're right outside the top 10. I think they may have an opportunity to trade up uh, to, to, to get Pickett if he falls. If, Mal- if Malik Willis goes six to Carolina, um, there's, there's a possibility there because I don't see any other team in the top 10 that really needs a quarterback like that. Um, so that's just something to keep an eye on. But okay, for, for so, now, I think plus one fifteen for Kenny Pickett seems to be uh, a, a good bet. Okay, so let's dive let's dive in that a little deeper. Then, so if we see Malik go at six, you think there's a team out there that would actually trade up to to go get Pickett at ten? Outside of let's let's scratch Washington if they if they feel itchy or feel froggy to do that. Do you think there's another another team in the draft that would actually do that? Because for me, I don't think there's a quarterback that's that's worthy enough for a franchise to go spend extra capital to trade up to go get a quarterback, in my opinion. But let me let me know y'all's thoughts. Jay Rich, you can go first. Go I think you're right from a philosophy of are these quarterbacks worth it? Yeah. But the yeah. problem is it's not the question isn't necessarily are these quarterbacks worth it? It's how badly do these teams need quarterbacks, need quarterback. right? Yeah, exactly. That's the that's the real issue. Yeah. Like Ike, to your point, I've seen Seattle going quarterback in the second round a ton, but not in the first round. They're usually going offensive line. So they may be looking to move back a little bit. If they like you're saying, if you think you get a, a, a tackle or a guard, you know, mid first instead of taking one at nine. I think that's a great spot, but as well, I, I would almost want to explore the reverse of what if Houston traded back from three 
all the way to, you know, mid first and the team wanted to go up. And ultimately, because if Detroit takes Malik at two, Pickett is the guy. So, so I think to your y'all's point, Mm. you got to get above Carolina to get Pickett. Mm -hmm. And so does someone even trade up even higher to get Pickett, you know, to it? I think I've been saying for months, I think the draft starts at five with New York, with the Giants, not not the Jets. They're going to do whatever they're going to do. They're probably not going to trade out. But the Giants have five and seven right smack in the middle between Carolina. And so I think at five, someone could go get Pickett. Someone could go get Malik. And then we'll see what happens with Carolina, who they go for. But it'd be interesting for sure because there's not a lot of teams that need quarterbacks and nobody seems to want to trade up that high for any of these guys because they're not worth it. But teams (laughs) still need quarterbacks. And when a push comes to shove, if they're there, you know, seven, eight, nine, maybe they're willing to, you know, spend that capital to go get a guy that they, they say they like, but we'll see how much they really like them on draft day. Yeah. And, 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 and as we've seen over the last several years, all it takes is that one team to desperately yeah. mortgage their basically mortgage their future and move up several spots to get a quarterback, regardless of how people feel about the quarterback class in general. Yeah. Um, another possibility, though, another team that I a dark horse team. This is somewhat of a galaxy brain thought, but a long shot. The New Orleans Saints, have, they have two first round picks. And if one of these quarterbacks falls outside of the top 10, they can package 16 and they can package 19 to move up. That's a possibility mm. as well. Um, they're loaded with draft capital. So that's another possibility that may be you know, way out there in the stratosphere. I doubt that'll happen, but they have the, they have yeah. the assets to potentially make it happen, though. No, that makes a good point because, I mean, Jameis is a two-year deal. So that, that's definitely a possibility. All right. So top 32, same thing, same exercise. You know, we, we're looking at some of these players. I mean, obviously, you got like Kenny Pickett minus 5,000 because you're already assuming <laughs> he's going to be a first-round pick. Uh, you know, you get down the list. Uh, you got like even like N'Kobe Dean minus 300. Matt Corral. So when you start getting to like Corral, you see a minus 150. Uh, Booth Jr. at minus 175. Is he? Mi- is Corral really minus 150 to be in yeah. the top 32? Yeah. Yeah. How do I how do I bet the other side of that, man? Yeah. He's not oh, ever yeah. in the top 32. Oh, yeah. oh my yeah. God. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Uh, I, that. one, name, one name is a surprise. is Daxton Hill at minus 135. You know, you know he's yeah. the, 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 fast, the fast corner from Michigan or safety, whatever, whatever which position he wants to play. Uh, I don't know. Some somebody's betting it for him to to have uh, this kind of juice. So I know Ike, you have a one player that you you had to eye on. Who you got? I know how people hate running backs, and that's totally fine. But uh, I saw this one: Kenny Walker plus three hundred to be in the top mm. thirty-two. And you know we've seen every year that you know there's there's a consensus number one running back um, in the draft, and somebody gets drafted over him. You know, we saw it two years ago. CEH got drafted over Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers in the first round at number 32. Um, and for, you know, for this year, for all intents and purposes, it's Brees Hall as the number one guy far and away, uh, followed by Kenny Pickett, Isaiah Spiller, those guys. Um, but, I'm oh, sorry, Kenny Walker. Um, I think plus 300, <laughs> that, that's, that's very, very enticing. It just takes one team to reach. Um, some teams to watch: Buffalo at twenty-five, Arizona at twenty-three. Um, Houston has multiple first-round picks. They could be looking to move back and stockpiling mm-hmm. more picks. Maybe they move up into the, you know, at the end of the first. I don't know about that, but uh, you know, in Tampa Bay, 
Tampa Bay could be looking to get a running uh, a running back as well to pair with Leonard Fournette. Um, for all, for I, I think I, I, but I do believe that they'll they may draft a running back, but they'll draft Brees Hall instead of uh, Kenny Walker. But these are teams to watch. Um, Kenny Walker plus three hundred. That's not a terrible bet to make, just or to sprinkle some money on. To be, at least it's, for me, it's not. I I, I kind of like that, and it, it leads to to one of my position totals that we'll get to in a, in a minute. But I do I, I like that odd the odds of Kenny Walker being being the uh, I mean a uh, running back taken in the first the first round. Uh, what do you think, Jay? Rich? What do you think about that bet? Uh, I don't know, man. I just I, I can't. I don't think I can get on board with that. I mean, not to say that yeah. it's not a decent bet. You know, you still get plus three hundred on it. I think yeah. the problem for me is like I, you probably have better odds for him to be the first running back drafted or close to it, right? And I think that's a better bet in case he doesn't go in the first round and he's still the first running back drafted. I think you're looking at a similar situation, but you know Buffalo, the first round it doesn't seem like they're going to take a running back. You know, you see them mocking running backs in the second a lot or just passing altogether. Arizona, I just don't think it's a good fit from a scheme perspective for Walker, you know, running a lot of shotgun, a lot of zone reads and things like that. I don't think it'd be the best fit. I think, you know, you talk about Breeze, you talk about Spiller. I think they're better fits for that offense. Houston, though, is one that you see a lot. And so I think to your point, if they did want to trade down and pick up some capital along the way and get Walker still, that could be one that I really like. Tampa, I don't know, just because more importantly, Fournette's been really, really good. I think Brady's happy with him. He dealing with the rookie and thankfully Bruce Aaron is gone. So maybe they change their stance <laughs> on rookie running backs. Yeah. But, uh, and then Atlanta, obviously the system they play is would be very conducive to any running back. So I think that both those are good spots. It's, it's just in the first is tough, man. You know, I, I think that what's ruined it was 2020, all the talented running backs in the world, all going in the second round, other than CH, who was everyone's RB five. And, you know, last year we saw some guys go in the first, but didn't yep. really expect it outside of Najee. And this year just feels like everyone's everyone's bound for the second. But at yeah. plus 300, I don't hate it overall. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's, like I said, this leads into the next uh, – my, my next bet that I like was position totals, which is how many position – how many players in these position groups are going to go in the first round? The first one was uh, running backs at over, over and a half at plus 145. I like that. I like that juice because the last two years we just – that uh, Jordan just laid out that we've seen running backs go 2020. We saw one 2021. We saw Najee and ETN, which was a very, a very surprising pick. Yep. Very surprising. I feel, I, I, I feel like this is a good bet. Like, like you laid out, I, I think that back of that first round where people might think they have a luxury to the pick back here that somebody might, somebody might feel froggy and, and take a running back or somebody might trade up into that first round and take a running back. So I don't. I feel like if you, you could put half a unit on it, it's a, it's a good bet, good decent bet for me. So, what do y'all think about that particular one? Or if y'all have any particular position groups that you feel like are are good bets to take? So I'll hop in here real quick. And Gene, I actually have one quick question for you. And mm-hmm. and I, you feel free to take it as well. I think one of the issues with the first round running back, more importantly, is that nobody wants to give a fifth round, a fifth year option to a running back mm-hmm. because what's the mm-hmm. point, right? Yeah. Excellent, excellent. So you point, think about you think about trading into the first round. You're trading into the first round usually to get that fifth year option, whether it's a quarterback, a cornerback, someone who's going to be really pricey on that fifth year, or you may lose them. Whereas the running backs, they're not expensive. Nobody wants them, and I think that's one of the reasons why we don't see them go in the first. 
is that the ultimate luxury of the first is that fifth year option. And if you don't need it or don't want to give it to that player, why take them in the first round? Ultimately, you could just get another guy who's replaceable on a cheaper contract in the second round. So like, where are you at with that? I, I still think it's a good bet, though, because I think you get the luxury of Brees or Walker still at plus money, right? And so I yeah. like that a lot. But I kind of where are you at with that, uh, that over 0.5 at plus 145 for a running back in the first round. Yeah, no, um that that's an excellent point. Um you know, we've we've seen we've seen a lot of mistakes over the you know the last several years with running backs getting taken in the first round that high, you know. I am not going to call I, we obviously feel differently about Saquon Barkley. He's 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 an awesome prospect and awesome running back. Was the RB1 overall in fantasy in 2018. Um but he's been injured over the last several years and hasn't really quite lived up to that 2018 billing. So, um, you know, and, and the Giants kind of have a little buyer's remorse. Uh, did they pick up their fi- his fifth-year options? I don't think they did. Did they? I'm going to look it up right now. Okay. I know they're juggling juggling that idea. Um, yeah. They'll, I think they have to make a decision soon. Yeah. Well, I, they, I they have, they like, have right this, before this is fifth wasn't year. It? Who, this is his fifth year. Yeah, I think this is his fifth year. Yeah, he's on it right now. He's okay. on, yeah. he's on his fifth-year option this. right now. But it's $7 million. Like no one wants to pay a running back seven million dollars for no reason. Yeah. Like you just don't want to do that. Well, there's there's yes. there's people getting there's running backs getting paid more than seven million dollars a year, but um getting Saquon Barkley for seven million, I mean that's that's relatively cheap compared to McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry, but uh, all these other all these other stud running backs. Um but yeah, no, that's I, I just still think talent over you know will, will overtake some of the thinking, especially in the back half of the first round. Uh, to Gene's point. Some of these running backs, some of these GMs, some of these teams may feel like they have a luxury on their hands, um, and they'll, they'll just be like, "Fuck it, we'll have an extra, we'll have an extra, uh, you know, Ferrari in the garage. We can we can use it whenever we want to use it, um, and we'll we'll decide on the fifth year option whenever that whenever we cross that bridge." Uh, yeah. um, I, I think I I feel like you know, to, and, and to your point earlier, Jay Rich, you did mention that uh, Kenny Walker's. Kenny Walker being the first running back taken may be better odds. I think I I, I looked here; it was plus two hundred for him to be the first running back taken, and mm. and Brees Hall is like minus like two fifty or two two hundred or something yeah. like that. So ultimately, what I what I truly believe in my heart of hearts is that one of those guys will get drafted in the first round, but not both. Yeah. And I'm just kind of back and forth of back and forth on who's it, who's it actually going to be. Uh, my money, I'm gonna bet on Kenneth, Kenneth Walker, um, just to sprinkle a little bit on it to see what happens. But ultimately, I think it comes down to Brees, to Brees Hall because, I mean, shit, he's <laughs> a 94th percentile athlete in agility, speed, and 40 yard dash, uh, yeah. according to play, PlayerProfiler.com. It, it, that's just absurd. His best comparable player is Jonathan Taylor. So, <laughs> I, I think taking that in the first round is not a bad idea, but. But we'll see. Um, but one of those guys will get taken in the first round, uh, either or. Yeah. But not both. Yeah, and I think for me, I mean, most importantly, you still got GMs. Some of these GMs are just dumb. So for whatever <laughs> reason, like you still seeing running backs getting drafted in the first round. Like Etienne had no business going. Ch had no business going. I mean, yeah. even Najee, even though how good he was last year, I mean. Build specifically, like if, if you really think about it, a running you shouldn't be spending a fifth year option on a running back. Like we we've seen it, we've seen it that this is the way that how 
how GMs are 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 using their money towards resources towards that position that you just don't you just don't push that type of capital towards that way. So, but for it me, is, it is funny to me. Sorry, it is funny no, to me like how how that Najee Harris pick <laughs> unfolded because we all knew <laughs> yeah. as soon as the season <laughs> ended that Pittsburgh was going to draft a running back. We like we yeah. knew that. <laughs> Yeah, even though they just, needed an so online desperately. Yeah, it's just so funny to see how it all played out. Yeah. No, but, I mean, overall, I, I like the juice for that bet. And like I said, we've seen the past two drafts at least that we've seen running backs go in the first round for whatever reason. So I, I, I want to gamble on on seeing that happen again. So that's where I'm at. All right, I you got – do you have any position totals that you liked here? Yeah, just real quick, um, we, we can touch on corners. Uh, I have uh, I have first round corners being drafted at over four and a half at plus one twenty. Mm. Um, we've seen five and six uh, corners drafted in the first round each of the last two drafts. Um, and in this particular class, there's a lot of speed. There were nine nine cornerback prospects that ran at least that ran a sub four four, um, you know, at the combine, which is uh, absolutely absurd. Um, but some of the guys that are in the mix in the first round, you know, Derek Stingley just had an awesome pro day for LSU, ran a 4-3-7-40. Um, we have Trent McDuffie out of Washington, uh, Andrew Booth out of Clemson, uh, Kerry Elam out of Florida. All these guys kind of look like to be in the first round mix um, based on a lot of the, you know, the chatter that I'm hearing and a lot of the mocks that I've been seeing and a lot of the analysis that I've been reading. Uh, these guys look to be firmly um, entrenched in the first round in some capacity. And you for, you forgot to talk about your boy Sauce Sauce Gardner, man. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think that kind of goes without saying, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I was talking about those other guys just because we've already you know shined the spotlight on Sauce Gardner. Yeah. Earlier, earlier. Yeah. Jordan, what'd you think about uh, about that bit? I like it. You know, you basically have three locks in Stingley, Sauce, Booth, and then McDuffie's probably going to be there. It's just, does Elam sneak in, right? He seems to be that guy that's kind of on the fringe. He's he's yeah. looking like he's going to be a back-end first, early second if he does slip out. But I think to our earlier conversation about the fifth-year option, he's a guy that if he hits, you want him on that fifth-year option to have him for that additional year. Because we, we see cornerbacks are getting paid $15, $20 million a year. If he hits and he's that guy, he's that next great Florida corner, He's going to command a lot of money on the open market, and you want him on that fifth-year option. But Ike, since since you're you're the cornerback guy here, you're, you're trusting these cornerbacks. Where would you put Elam as an over/under if you had to kind of set your own line today with what you're seeing and kind of how you're feeling this out? Because I'm waiting for this to drop on points bet. They have it locked in. They haven't just they just haven't dropped the lines yet. So I need to know where you're at and what you think is a good bet for Elam. Do you think it's just straight thirty-two and a half, or would you take it at an even higher number than that? I'd probably slot somewhere in 27 and a half, 27, 28 and a half. Um, mm, and I'd probably go. You think he's entrenched yeah. in the first round? <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd probably go 27, 28 and a half. I like, uh, uh, you know, a, a spot that, I, that I've seen quite frequently is Arizona. Arizona at 23 uh, may really? take a look Damn. at him. Damn. Arizona at 23 may take a look at him. And, or a team like Cincinnati at 31 may take a look at him uh, for the over. Yeah. So, Cincinnati is what uh, makes a lot of sense for sure. Yeah. So. I think he is. I think he's going to be in the first round, just between that range. Uh, but t- you know, twenty six, twenty seven and a half. I think that's probably appropriate for him. And plus, uh, he's plus one thirty five to go in the top thirty two, uh, according yep. to DraftKings nice. Sportsbook. So uh, that that's another indicator right there. All right. So wide receiver props. First wide receiver selected. Who do y'all got? Jairus, who you got? 
I got Garrett Wilson going going number one. I think I think he's the locked in number one right now. I could see it being Drake, but I still got Garrett Wilson. Okay. And then the DraftKings, they got that uh, plus plus one twenty five. So that's not bad. What about you, Ike? Who you got? Yeah, uh, I, I would I would probably slot with slide side with Garrett Wilson as well. I, I didn't really want to take there's there's really no no other ones that I wanted to take here um, for first wide receiver. Uh, not 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 enough juice for me for the other guys. Um, but yeah, I think Garrett Wilson is pretty much a lock to be the first guy uh, off the board. Yeah, I like that one too. I looked at I was looking at James Jmo at, at plus four hundred, but I was just like, nah, that's that that's too spicy. Not with the injury. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not with the injury, it's too spicy. Uh, the quarterback prop, I mean, I didn't think anything was worthy, but I do see that somebody did have a long shot. You want to go ahead and speak on that one, my boy? <laughs> <laughs> you wild for this one. You, you, if you, this better be a point one unit bet. You wild for Man. this one. I, so the only reason I even put it on here, um, first off, uh, to the audience, it's Desmond Ritter at plus 1400. Now, the only reason I even put it on here is because just yesterday, I saw it at plus 2,500. So, the fact that it moved that much in a day, it's, it's going to raise the antenna just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just going to raise the antenna a little bit. You know, rumor has it that most NFL teams have him as a first-round QB on their boards. And as we've seen in, in drafts past... All it takes is one desperate team to like this guy or a particular guy a lot more than the others. Um, you know, obviously, we, we know Carolina, we know Pittsburgh, we know Washington, we know we know New Orleans, and you know, an outside chance at Atlanta potentially getting a quarterback. You just never know these days. You know, we we see a lot of crazy shit take place during draft day. Plus fourteen hundred. I'd be curious to see how this line moves over the next couple of weeks, but. Um, I'll probably sprinkle just a little smidge on it, but I'm not too confident in it. In you know, but yeah, I just put it on there just for for shits and giggles <laughs> for the most part. I, I, I mean, I get it because again, like uh, uh, these reports that you're speaking about yesterday. Not on top of that, most teams see him as a first round grade. They liked him the most in terms of interview purposes. They graded. They thought he was the best quarterback when they came in and talked with them. So, and that means something. I don't, I'm not sure how much that means something, but it means a lot because, again, like you start referencing these past drafts where you have Zach Wilson out, out of the blue come out number two pick, Baker Mayfield out of nowhere, the number one selection. Like, like we got a track record, of, track record of these things happening and starting at this time of the year. And then once you lead up right to the, the – right at when they're in the room, is all of a sudden like, oh, shit, like, this dude can potentially go number one or even last year with Mac Jones. Like nobody believed that he was going to be a first round selection. And as like the pick start coming in, more news was like, oh, shit, he's he's going to be like top 20. And nobody still believed it until he actually went to the Patriots. So and then there was a oh, whole sure. thing with San Francisco, you know, potentially oh, yeah. getting him, potentially trading up and, and taking yep. him number three overall. Uh, I think I think Kyle Shanahan came out later and said that was just a little gamesmanship. He just wants people. He wanted people to. He wanted people to believe that, but he wasn't. I don't think he ever was going to take Mac Jones. 
No, for sure. And I think to your guys' point, in a year with so much uncertainty, like we think Malik is going to go number one or, or Pickett goes number one, but it's been Ritter entrenched at QB3. As much as we like Corral, as much as we yeah. like Hal, it's been Ritter. You know, that four or five speed is real. It's It really comes down to the processing. Is it there? He's still longtime starter. People, you know, in the NFL, they like winners. They, he's a winner. He made it to the college football playoffs. So he's, he wins a lot of games for his team, but it's the accuracy issues. It's Kenny Reed NFL defenses. I don't know. I, he wouldn't be my QB1, but in a, no. in a year no. where there's probably no true QB1, why not Ritter as a long shot at 14 to 1? I don't hate it. It's just yeah. a f- spicy take that's a little bit fun. If it hits, you're feeling pretty good about yourself. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And you be Indeed. the you could and you could be the one that says I told you, I told yeah you you can be, uh, you can be yeah. riding that ticket be that for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I, w- I won't be that guy. I can promise you guys that. <laughs> You're a better man than me. I would be that guy. Hundred percent. I'd be that guy. I'd be like, oh, look at man. my ticket. I told you. <laughs> All right, running back prop. I didn't see anything that was worthy. Like we talked about earlier when we when we brought up Kenneth Walker. He's plus 200 to be the first selected. There's, I mean, you got Brees at minus 250. Nobody's going to touch that. So, and I can't imagine Isaiah Spiller at plus 60, 650. I can't imagine anybody thinking that he's going to be number one based on, you know, the reports of what people are feeling or whatnot. So we can move on to O-line prop. The first O-line for me, I put Inkem Ikwoku again, minus 140. Well, actually, it's minus one eighty now. It's, it's moved since we oh. <laughs> since we moved been on here. Damn. So, nice. and like like I said before, when I see him play, you can you can just see the nastiest nastiness when he's especially when he's run blocking. And then plus he's Nigerian, so why won't I Not take a shot? Boy. Yeah, Not why won't I take a why won't I take a shot at my countryman? So uh, <laughs> that's why I felt like this is a, a a good bet. I mean, they also have Evan Neal, another yeah. Olami that I like the lot. He's plus one fifty. And then you got the next one is uh, Charles Cross at plus a thousand, Trevor Penning at plus two thousand. So it, it immediately gets gets crazy. So they're pretty much saying Income or Evan is going to be be your first one taken. What do y'all think about about the selections that are available, or or, or even my selection period for O line? I mean, ahead, I like it. Ahead, you know, minus minus one eighty now. I don't know if I would take it because you know yeah. you kind of lost the juice, right? It was early yeah. on. It was Neil. If you went after Icky, you're good. But I think you know we talked about it earlier too. He could be the first player drafted. Period. Right? Like kind of a long shot. But if you're going to take a shot on the guy, shoot for the highest ceiling. And I think that's for sure. Iquanu overall. Um, Ike, I imagine you agree. If basically just what we were talking about at the beginning of the show with some of these top draft picks, potential number one picks. I mean. Maybe you want to go after Neil, yeah. but for my money, um, I'm taking Aquano for sure. Yeah, Aquano is Aquano's the guy, the first, the first lineman off the board. I don't think we need to spend too much more time on this part. <laughs> no, we don't. And then uh, they also had cornerback uh, props. The first cornerback taken again. There was nothing, nothing worthy. Yeah, it's awesome. Minus a thousand, probably. <laughs> yeah, minus, minus it's actually minus four hundred. Yeah, but I, that's not worth taking it. You yeah. got Stingley at plus two seventy five. I don't. I, I just don't see anybody outside of Saz getting taken as the first yeah. corner. So we can move on from that. Uh, and then to our last, uh, the last uh, column that they have is college props. So basically, within each conference, how many players are we going to see get selected? You know, SEC over ten and a half minus 
minus one one thirty five. I, I mean, I feel like that's a lock. Uh, we've seen we've seen the SEC the last two years. Last year was twelve. The year before it was fifteen, which was a, a a record for most players taken in one conference in the first round. So just imagine you're seeing almost half the NFL draft first round being taken from one conference. Like you're just seeing your homie that you just played against. Like, hey, what's up? Good. What's good? I see you getting drafted and you see another guy getting drafted and then you see another guy. Oh, I know him too. Like it's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy to see. Yeah. So did y'all have any other conference? Do y'all have any conferences that y'all felt there was a, a good bet or, or do you agree with the SEC? What, what, what's your thoughts? Go ahead, Jordan. I definitely like the SEC prop. It's not one that I track too hard because you really got to project. You got to start counting all the players and what things yeah. are coming from. But I'm always down to lean with some data. And if it's 13 and a half, I'm more than happy to take that prop. You know, there's not any SEC quarterbacks outside of maybe Matt Corral coming in. Um, and that's, I think, where it's it's lacking a little bit. We have seen SEC quarterbacks coming in for the past few years. And so without that, does it still hit that 13 and a half? Maybe not. But at 10 and a half, I definitely like the number. I think there's some guys like Elam, like Ike's talking about, who could sneak into the first yep. round that not everyone's projecting, and they yep. could hit that number. SEC is the most dominant conference in all college football, and that's why they draft the most players, and that's why you draft players from the SEC because they're the most ready to play in the NFL. Yeah, one that I was, uh, I agree with the SEC one. I mean, that's you know, that kind of goes without saying. But one that I was kind of taking a, a look at was the Big Ten um, over six and a half at minus one twenty. You know, the last two years, we've had five five Big Ten players drafted in the first round. And then we had seven um, in, in this uh, seven in twenty twenty one. I just and then and most of those guys are on a lot of those guys are on defense. But I, I think I think though I think in this particular this particular draft, I've been looking at a lot of mocks, just kind of just you know just kind of doing some number crunching. It's fallen anywhere between six and seven, which is part which is exactly the line that you see the over mm. the six and a half. Um, you know, we've had seven on on some mocks. We've had six in some mocks. Uh, I think I think we saw. I think I saw eight in, in, in another mock. Uh, it just kind of varies, but it's in between that six to eight range. Um, it's just probably going to take like one. If I were to bet it, it would probably just take one player towards the back back end of the draft that's going to put it over the top. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to be pretty close, but I, I would probably slightly lean towards the over six and a half. Um, in, in that one, but that's that was one that I was kind of I, I kind of had my eye on. I'm not sure if I'm going to truly bet it, but um, but I definitely like the SEC uh, more more than the Big Ten. Okay, I know there was. I don't know if anybody else had any other you no know, fun props or any props that might have taken your eye of interest of any. Did, you, did y'all have any? Not for me, no. I had I had one um, Pittsburgh plus three fifty to draft Malik Willis. Um, okay, yeah. Yeah, I think that one is a. I think that that's another you know worst kept secret, um in the in the NFL um, that we've seen. You know, Mike Tomlin had dinner with them. They're you know super interested um, in Malik Willis. Should he fall um, past you know fifteen, sixteen, um, in that range? So I think, you know, he he. I think Pittsburgh may be hard pressed to 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 move up to get him just to make sure they get him. Um, but staying at twenty, I'm not sure if he'll, I don't, I'm not sure if he'll make it to twenty, honestly. But um, but if if he does, then obviously Pittsburgh is going to be the the team that drafted him. So plus three fifty for you know Pittsburgh drafting Malik Willis, and then another one I had was Traylon 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 Burks under twenty three and a half uh, dra- uh, draft position. Um, I, I know we had that um, we we were going to talk about that earlier, but we, we we skimmed over that. I don't think he gets past Green Bay at twenty two, um, even though they've never drafted a wide receiver mm. that high. 
um, in, you know, Aaron Rodgers' uh, career, what, 16, 17 years, and they never drafted a receiver in the first round, which is absolutely ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, um, you know, there's other teams in the wide receiver mix before 22. We have Washington, who we talked about. We have New Orleans with their two first rounders. Um, Philadelphia, you know, they've had, you know, quite quite an adventure drafting first round wide receivers <laughs> as of late um new england and arizona arizona needs another receiver uh, as well so those are those are teams um in that right in that 23 range um that i feel like maybe looking at Traylon burks and he's going to go under that 23 and a half number so those, okay. those are the only two that i had and uh, right. i know i know at the beginning like once the senior ball and this whole process of of Pittsburgh being infatuated with Willis. I know one of the things that they've always they've always done within their organization, their franchise, is that they don't trade up when they're in the first round. So it would be a first if they if they felt that so inclined to go get him to use some resources to go get him for their franchise. So it would be interesting to see how how it plays out because I mean that that type of noise has kind of died off as we get for, uh, closer to the draft. So we'll see. It's, it's definitely going to be interesting how, how everything shakes out. Hopefully y'all listen to us, you know, taking some of the best that we've been looking at. Maybe you might be interested or maybe you didn't even think about taking them. Hopefully we put something that might be useful for you to, you know, go put put a couple of dollars in and and hope for the best to, you know, make your draft, your draft watching fun uh, once we get to that point. So uh, we appreciate Jay Rich, you know, Blessing us, coming on, coming on our pod, being our first ever guest. You know, you did your thing. Appreciate you coming and showing love with us. Appreciate that. Uh, Appreciate that. Do you got anything before we get up out of here? You got anything you want to pub or anything like that you got going on? Pub? Come on, man. No way. I don't don't need to pub anything, man. I'm more than happy to be here. But what I'll tell you guys, most of the people, they know who I am, right? (laughs) I am... The other half of Wake Up with Ray G. You can find me on Twitter at your boy J Rich, but more importantly, follow Gene and Ike at Fantasy Genes and just underscore Ike09. These guys are awesome, man. They're here every week, you know, providing analysis, draft, you know, picks, college, NFL, redraft. They they're in here, they know their stuff. So definitely check them out. And you know, if you do watch Wake Up with Ray G, just be nice to me. You know, I already get it in the comments. I get it from Ray. You guys give it to me sometimes, Ike, whenever you're in the Discord. <laughs> <laughs> but I just appreciate being here. I, th- I want to say thank you guys so much for having me on. And uh, anytime, just ask me anytime, man. Anything football, baseball, basketball, I'll come. I'll talk about it. I, I like to talk. You know, I do a show every day. So you, you think at some point I would get exhausted of talking. That is not the case. I will come on any show and more than happy to be on with you guys again. I had a lot of fun today. Yeah, appreciate that. Appreciate, appreciate that. that. I Definitely. I, you got anything before you, uh, you know, lay it down for the night with your, your Benadryl and chill? No, you guys said it best. Uh, you know, just we, we appreciate y'all tapping into the show. <laughs> ben and drill and chill. Ben and drill and chill, baby. Uh, no, we, we appreciate y'all tapping into the show. Uh, you know, follow me and Gene on Twitter. Follow Jay Rich. Uh, continue watching our shows and our, and our content. Uh, we appreciate it. Yeah, man. On that note, follow us on Off, off the Line FF. You know, we can find us any of our pods under the Destination Network under. Go on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, you can find us. Until then, you know, we'll catch y'all next week. Y'all have a good day, good night, wherever, wherever time you're listening to us. Peace. Peace out. <laughs>